listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The testimonials appearing in this podcast reflect individual experiences and individual results may vary. Cardinal Health does not claim, nor should the listener assume, that any individual experience recounted in this podcast is representative of what another consumer may experience. The Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast in collaboration with Pharmacy Podcast Network is for independent pharmacists to learn about the state of the industry, innovative services and solutions, and the future of pharmacy. Join me, your host, Jason Calori, for conversations with pharmacists, Cardinal Health leaders, and industry experts sharing best practices, discussing industry trends, and showcasing Cardinal Health products and services. You can subscribe to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. I am your host, Jason Calori, and today we are talking about it being the perfect time of year to position your pharmacy as a healthcare destination by offering immunizations for the upcoming fall season. Today, we're welcoming back to the show Sherry Schmidt, pharmacist and part of the Cardinal Health Pharmacy of the Future clinical team, uh, Tanya Shackelford, pharmacist and senior manager for the Clinical Pharmacy Solutions team here at Cardinal as well, and our special guest, Wimberly Gale, a 1994 graduate of the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy, who has worked in independent pharmacy for 30 years. She is licensed in both Louisiana and Mississippi. She's also a consultant pharmacist for behavioral health clinics and long-term care facilities while owning three independent pharmacies, Curry Pharmacy in Clinton, Louisiana, Curry Pharmacy Slaughter in Slaughter, Louisiana, and Jelks Family Pharmacy in Centerville, Mississippi. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Good to be back. Uh, Wimberly, I don't think it sounds like you're busy enough. You have a lot of things going on. (laughs) (laughs) Way too many things, believe me. I'm way too old for all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, again, just appreciate what you're doing for the community. Um, But today... Uh, we really wanted to get into this whole subject of it really being the perfect time of the year um, to position your pharmacy as a healthcare destination, especially with the upcoming fall immunization season coming up. Um, I mean, as you guys know, patients have been coming to the community pharmacy, uh, you know, every fall for flu vaccines for a lot of years. Uh, pharmacists are convenient, accessible, and, you know, they're they're really trusted partners in their community. Uh, Sherry, let's start with you. What do you think makes pharmacists so ready to position themselves, especially around this time of year? You know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, what you mentioned is convenience. So, you know, 90% of the patients live within five miles of a community pharmacy and pharmacists, especially during the COVID pandemic, I think patients saw their pharmacists um, as a trusted place where they could go to get answers about healthcare um, and vaccines. And so, you know, community pharmacies are just set up to be accessible and convenient and the pharmacists are knowledgeable. The patients have good relationships with them and they trust them. So when patients are recommended to get a vaccine from a pharmacist, um, they typically do receive that vaccine. Uh, so th- that's actually a really good lead in because during the COVID pandemic, you know, patients began to see their community pharmacies even more as a healthcare destination, I think. You know, hospitals and, and physicians, they were flooded. Uh, so where do you go next to community pharmacy? And I think a lot of people saw that. We've talked about this before, uh, but they came not only for flu and COVID vaccines, but for other routine vaccines. I want to kind of shift to Tanya here. What is what is your perspective on how just in the last, I mean, we've talked about this before, obviously, with how 
pharmacists have really evolved into something more in each and every community. But even from the last time we spoke, what do you think, uh, you know, how much, how much has the independent pharmacy has evolved even since then? Well, I think, you know, you go back and, and I was actually surprised when the, the COVID pandemic hit, how many independent pharmacies weren't actually giving immunizations yet. Mm-hmm. And so they got into the game, you know, around COVID seeing a need in their community. And so now this is, you know, kind of the first fall season post pandemic. And we have the new commercial COVID booster. We have a new RSV vaccine for um, seniors, as well as the flu and pneumonia that we normally see Mm -hmm. a lot of in the fall. So, you know, where normally in the fall, you might have one or two vaccines that you're kind of monitoring and and educating patients on. This year, you've got four, and if you had shingles, you've got five. So um, I think there's just a lot of of moving pieces. And I think that for independent pharmacists, you know, it's gonna be trying to figure out what's the best way to get um, all the vaccines that a patient needs in a, t- in, in a timely manner, as well as with not overwhelming them with too many shots at once, but to best protect them. I want to get this uh, from Wimberley's perspective. Wimberley, you know, you have multiple pharmacies. You're obviously pretty active in your communities when it comes to this time of year. Uh, from your perspective, how have you seen your own role, your teams and your pharmacies grow during this time post-pandemic? I'm floored every time I even try to think about it because one of the reasons that I went to pharmacy school instead of med school was because I didn't like needles. And then here I was many years later saying, oh, you got to get certified, you know, to get vaccines. So um, when I started out, I figured, okay, you know, I'll give 10 or 20 vaccines a year. I'll be okay with that. Um, and of course, flu, we, we started early on and we were given a bunch of, um, a, a good por- bit of flu for such a small area, I'll say. And then when COVID, it just went crazy. I think so many people realized that, yes, hey, pharmacies do give vaccines in my area, at least. It, it just wasn't well known. We're very, very rural, all three of my stores. Mm-hmm. And COVID was the tipping point for us. I mean, we we give vaccines now daily daily here at, you know, just a small independent. And we've been fielding when can we come get our flu shots already this year since September clicked over. Um, today's a good day for this podcast for us because it's actually the day that I picked to start. So we actually just started with flu immunizations today. Um, and And I'm so glad that our communities have finally embraced that, yeah, this is where you come. They can come, be in and out, usually within, you know, 15 to 20 minutes um, with all their questions answered and not having to sit in a doctor's office and usually with no copay. So it's, you know, financially smart for them as well. Yeah. And and just to back all that up, uh, IQVIA just recently released a study here from 2018 to 2022 flu, COVID, HPV, pneumonia, shingles, uh, the large majo- the large majority of vaccine administration took place in a pharmacy setting versus a non-pharmacy setting, which I thought was really eye-opening. Um, and on top of that, 
you know, back to you, Sherry, we've seen lots of legislation in the last few years to make it easier for pharmacists. Pharmacists either had to have collaborative practice agreements or there's just a lot of extra barriers or maybe they could only give certain vaccines or to certain age groups. And I think because of what pharmacists did stepping up with COVID, um, everybody realized that, you know, they can really be a first arm in public health with vaccines. And so um, the the you know, the great value that pharmacists added to the healthcare system was seen by a lot of different stakeholders. And so we've seen a lot of states change their legislation to make it easier for pharmacists to vaccinate, um, either without a collaborative practice agreement um, or expanding ages or types of vaccines that they can give, along with in some states, allowing pharmacists to independently um, prescribe and administer the vaccines without a physician or collaborative practice agreement and adding technicians and students with the ability to vaccinate. So um, that's, I think the legislation has really expanded the scope, um, which reduces barriers and allows pharmacists to help even more patients. Yeah, reducing barriers, I think, was a huge part of it. We spoke about that, you know, last year when you guys were on how as more stuff opens up and you know, COVID really putting the spotlight on pharmacists and how they could help as part of, uh, you know, being a healthcare destination. I mean, let's face it, pharmacists have become the vaccination destination, much to the point that this year, there are experts predicting a triple-demic of respiratory viruses that will include flu, COVID, and RSV. Now, pharmacists have a lot of new tools at their arsenal. Uh, we spoke about the approval of two new RSV vaccines. Um, patients have an opportunity to come to the pharmacy for multiple vaccines this fall, as we went through. Uh, Tanya, I want to get your perspective on this. Uh, with so many new vaccines that are available, you know how how are the how how is this information? Do you think going out to the to the public into different communities uh, so they know that pharmacists can offer these types of vaccinations? Well, I think that I think that now like we've said before, it just is second nature. They're, they're mm -hmm. used, you know, they got used to going to their pharmacy for vaccinations and, and to get COVID testing and flu testing. And so it's just second nature. It's, it's more of a, how can we educate them on what vaccines they need mm -hmm. and when and why? And, you know, you get a lot of, you know, I hear this a lot um, is, you know, COVID's not, you know, the the hospitalizations due to COVID infections and the seriousness have gone way down. I don't think I need it. And that's, you know, in some cases possibly true, but when you've got three different um, viruses at the same time, you start putting those together and, and say somebody gets RSV one week and then two weeks later they get the flu. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's potential for some really serious implications. And so it's a lot of education, not to mention, um, I think one of the bigger challenges is going to be everybody's everybody's vaccine worn out. I don't know the right way to say that, but they're just <laughs> so sick of talking about vaccines, getting vaccines, worrying about vaccines, should they get them, should they not. And I think that that's what's going to really hit our independent pharmacies is just educating the customers and patients and answering all their questions, right? I mean, they're, what should mm -hmm. I get? Is Should I get this one? I heard this one I shouldn't get with this one. Should I get the flu and the COVID at the same time? Is it, are the side effects going to be worse? So I think they're really going to be flooded with questions and they're going to be the key source for information about this interesting 
vaccine season, um, you can't really just walk in your doctor's office and ask somebody a question or call them up and get an answer on the spot, which you can in the pharmacy. So I think that's really going to be the big thing is just, you know, helping patients understand what they need, when and why. Uh, yeah. So to Wimberly, I really want to get her perspective on this because I think, you know, when we're talking about all these different vaccines, you know, Wimberly, what have you done, you know, in your pharmacist as far as education wise, especially now RSV, for those of that don't know, that's a respiratory uh, vaccine that you can get to help. And you kind of combine that with, um, you know, flu and also COVID, you know, all this can become really important this fall. So Wimberly, what have you done or what advice can you give, I should say, as far as, you know, helping other pharmacists not only educate, but come up with maybe a customized plan on how these vaccines should work together if your choice is, you know, to get all of them and every single thing that you need? Um, absolutely. I've been trying to educate myself a lot about the um, RSV vaccinations um, from a business person standpoint and from a pharmacist standpoint um, a lot these past two weeks. Um, and and going back to what Tanya said about the why, I think that's a very important thing to address um, with a lot of our older patients. Yeah, I've, I've answered this question three or four times this week. I've mm -hmm. been fine. Why do I need this now? I'm I'm 75. I'm 76. Why now? I, I've I've made it all this time, and you know I, I try to put it in something they can understand in that. Um, Okay, we used to cook over fire and it was great. It did the job. But the way that we can cook now, we have a stove, you know, why now? Because we can, we've done the research. We we have things to back it up. We can protect ourselves better. You know, we, we always want to go forward. Um, and as far, you know, with, with my population, um, and again, I realized that as, as a rural area, we are a little bit different, but I think a lot of community pharmacies are um, rural, so maybe not. But I am, I'm a person who doesn't like to give all the vaccines at one time, and I feel like I can accommodate my patients and encourage them, and they will come back and get all three of the vaccines, talking about mm -hmm. the flu, um, RSV, pneumonia, if they happen to have not gotten the, the newest pneumonia, you know, the Pregnar uh, 20 because I'm going to stay on them every time they come in the store and I, and I know that they haven't gotten it. I'm going to say, Hey, you want to do that today? Because it's, you know, it's time. Um, so I think that's the most important is to know your patients and, and know them specifically. Yes, we do kind of have a protocol. We always ask every person that walks in this time of the year, Hey, do you want your flu shot? Have you gotten it? You know, we have them available today. We have our clipboards already um ready with the information sheet and pens sitting around in our um, waiting area. So they might just decide, hey, let me pick it up, pull it out, get it done today. Um, but but know your individual patients. If they're a person who who is a little bit hesitant, a little bit, 
vaccine weary, as, as Tanya said, they've had so many, they've had more these past three years than they've had in their lifetime um, or can remember in their lifetime. Yeah, know them, talk them through it. You know, say, hey, we're gonna do this one this week. Let's wait a month, we'll do, you know, let's do flu now, we're already seeing it in our area. Or maybe we wanna do RSV because we've been seeing some RSV cases locally. It, it's it's all dependent on your area, but but knowing your patients, which all community pharmacies hopefully do, they know each one of their patients individually, will help you make them feel comfortable with getting what they need. Yeah. And, you know, back to Tanya's point where we talked about kind of a, you know, vaccine exhaustion or however you want to say, you know, after COVID, there was just so much, you know, there's a lot of different feelings out there about the COVID vaccine. And I think that, you know, led into a mistrust of pharma companies, government, lacks of awareness, um, uh, fears of side effects. And a lot of that stuff could kind of permeate into just the vaccines, you know, for RSV and other things. And I think we're also forgetting about like the simplest form of not getting the vaccine, which is people just don't like getting needles in their arm. <laughs> so, yeah, so there are, there are a lot of barriers there, I think, uh, to overcome, especially now, even though, you know, pharmacists have, you know, generally we've made it easier for people to get vaccinated. Um, as far as some of those other barriers, uh, Tanya, what do you what do you say to that? And as far as maybe, you know, helping some of the patients and some of the education and the mistrust out there, um, you know, Wimberly mentioned really knowing your patients. And obviously, that's a huge piece of it. But what else? Uh, what other pieces of advice can you provide? So I think one really big thing is to to play on their emotions. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like it's, Take Wimberly, for example, she has a new grandson. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to, the, the, the really young and the elderly are not protected as well. And they're, they're more vulnerable. And so you really have to remind them that you're not just protecting yourself. You're protecting your family. I'm going home next week and I'm going to visit my 93 year old grandmother. And I'm going to make sure, you know, I made sure that I was vaccinated before I go because I don't want to make her sick. And so while it not may not be bad for me personally, if I get it overall for the, the those that you love, mm -hmm. um, it's really important to, to protect them as well. Sherry, do you have any uh, thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that is a big piece of it is. Um, and the other part is also like spending time with them. And instead of just saying, you know, I think as healthcare providers, we have a tendency to be the mom and be like, you should do this because I said so. And I think that's where, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think that's where pharmacists are a little bit different is because they do know their patients and they have that relationship. And so you can sit down and be like, well, what are your concerns? And not assume that you know what those concerns are and just really address those and addressing them with you know, with the science that we know and and also, you know, with our experiences, what we've seen with other patients and in the community. And I think that goes a long way because especially like we've been talking about RSV, that's a brand new vaccine. And I think if you ask a lot of adults, um, the first thing that comes into their mind with RSV, they're going to say babies because babies a lot of times get RSV and get hospitalized. Um, but you don't really realize um, how much, you know, illness it causes in adults. And so I think, you know, that's an education point to with a brand new vaccine to talk to them about what even is RSV in adults and why they need it. And so, you know, yeah, because I because I had to look that up. I was when yeah. I was 
prepping for this. I'm like, RSV, like what is RSV? So I, I remember looking it up and I saw it was a respiratory uh, vaccine. Can you go into a little more? Now you, you mentioned it, it affects or people mainly know it as, is it affecting, um, you know, infants and, and babies and, and, and young children. But as far as an adult, you know, if, if you were to, if you needed a vaccine, you know, who would be eligible for that? What are the symptoms of, of, uh, of an adult getting RSV? What does that look like? So it's approved for patients 60 and older, um, okay. so adults 60 and older, but really probably um, your patients, I guess if you were walking to my pharmacy and you were 60 and older, it's um, recommended with what they call shared decision-making. So it's really where the healthcare provider, in this case, the pharmacist, is going to know their patient and they're going to sit down and talk to them about their risks. But, you know, the older the patient is, the more different um, health conditions that they have, if they're immunocompromised, if they happen to live in some type of group setting, like an assisted care facility, um, you know, those are places that can spread. And then, you know, to Tanya's point, um, you know, you may just want to get it so you're not spreading it, you know, hopefully, you know, getting it and spreading it to other to other people in your family. Yeah. Uh, Wimberly, have you uh, have you had any run ins with, you know, folks over 60 coming across RSV? Is this is this something more up and coming uh, mm -hmm. as we get into these, you know, these these fall months? So we actually have had two. I'll say we because I say it kind of directly affected um, my pharmacy or our staff. We've had two people die recently, actually from RSV oh my God. Um, within my family, within our pharmacy family. Okay. Okay. And I'll admit the first one, when it happened, I was like, I need to, I need to educate myself what's going on, you know, because I like everybody else said, Hey, RSV doesn't make adults sick. Probably what you've always heard in the past is it's like a cold for an adult. It makes babies with undeveloped lungs very sick, but with adults, it usually does nothing. But but these cases that we have been seeing really mostly since COVID and, and maybe they have been around and we just didn't know enough about them and COVID kind of brought it up to the forefront. I don't know, but um, we, we've been seeing it in our area. But now as far as I, I have not had my patients coming in asking for it yet. Um, so I feel like the um, advertisement for it publicly and maybe even the conversations between the doctors and patients haven't been taking place just yet or they're not, maybe all the doctors aren't even on board with it yet, I'll say. Mm -hmm. I'll expect that to start coming soon, I, I would imagine, with the season that we're getting into. Um, but again, RSV since COVID has been really persnickety. Used to we have an RSV season. Now we don't. With COVID, it's just kind of hit or miss. These deaths that I'm talking about with RSV were actually back during the summertime, which isn't a normal time for our area. So I think it's going to take the doctors getting on board um, with it also. I, I, and, and honestly, honesty, I think, is one of the things that I take very take a lot of pride in with my patients and when they ask me so their their question to me is going to be did you recommend your mom get it or have you given it to your mom I know that's what they're going to ask me so <laughs> yeah. um and yeah. I haven't yet I'm I'm still in my research phase of that she was never a smoker she doesn't have lung issues now yes she she is older um but I don't know that I feel like her risk are there for me to say yeah I want her to get it yet um 
and I realize how that sounds as a pharmacist, but I'm still educating. So, you know, give me a little bit of slack on that. Um, I may change my mind in a month after I've done some more research. I'm still looking at the studies and deciding what, what I want to do. So I will tell my patients that, you know, not yet. I'll recommend it for my mother-in-law. She's been a smoker her entire life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think she should have it today, you know, um, but but as she's as uh, Sherry said, with the sh shared decision making, that again goes back to knowing your patients and knowing which ones you need to have the conversation with. Well, again, it goes back. That goes back to us just really being, you know, for patients to be really confident in their pharmacist. I mean, you're doing the research, and you're not going to recommend anything that you're uncomfortable with. And you know, I'm sure your patients definitely appreciate that. And they I know it. So. Yeah, and Jason, I will see because I've been around forever and been around a lot of pharmacists and for anyway, um, I'm old, I guess was the point of all that. But <laughs> the one thing that I have seen pharmacists do that, that hurts the process or, or discounts their, their is, is they ignore the, the patient's concerns or they blow them off like they're not important. And I think that, you know, you have to listen to your patient. You have to ask questions and you have to acknowledge what their concerns are and talk through them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because what we get is, we, you know, I, I see a lot of, I will say younger pharmacists, but maybe it's not limited, but I, I, they, do, they do a lot of preaching rather than educating. And so I think that we've got to get off of our clinical high horse and look at it from the patient's perspective and put it in language that they understand and then they feel comfortable with the the, the joint decision that's made. Yeah, because most most people don't enjoy going to the doctor or going to even getting, um, you know, a vaccine because, you know, they just kind of want to blow it up. Ah, it's only a cold. It's only this. It's only that. It Until something drastic happens or they feel something drastically different, you know, most people tend not to go get that care and talk about it. So I feel like that's an important part of it, because if you want to talk to your pharmacist, because there could be one little detail that they that they talk about. So, well, you know, I got a runny nose, got a fever, uh, but I've had this call for like, you know, 10 days. And maybe that's the one thing that that might trigger a pharmacist to saying, well, if you've had this call for 10 days, that's not normal. Maybe we should dive deeper and see if maybe you do have a respiratory, you know, infection going on, or God forbid it is RSV or something like that. So it's always, I think it definitely goes both ways. I think people need to be more uh, honest with what's wrong with them and to communicate that, especially to their pharmacist. Uh, let's see, workflow. Now, this is a big one because workflow, as we talk now, <laughs> Sherry and Ty, last time we spoke, we talked about pharmacy burnout. That was our conversation. Hmm. And now we have new vaccines. I mean, you guys tell me, is it still sort of a pharmacy tech shortage? It's still, you know, hard getting people working in the pharmacies. Now we're asking, all right, we, we need to get these into the workflow. So Sherry, from your perspective, um, how much is it easier to incorporate vaccines into your workflow these days? So, I mean, Wimberly will be the the expert on this, but I think all those barriers and, and issues that you just mentioned with staffing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and having more to do, I think all of those still exist today. But I will say, I think as a profession, um, we've 
we're working a lot smarter now and we have a lot more tools that we're utilizing. And, and that's again, partially thanks to the COVID pandemic and some of the things we were forced to do. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, pharmacists, some pharmacies may be using scheduling tools and putting their screening forms online so that patients can fill them out in advance and they maybe know when a patient's coming in versus having 20 patients walk in at the same time, you know, for something. So, so I think we are adding some workflow efficiencies and maybe also trying to kind of proactively reach out to patients and let them know like, um, hey, we're offering these vaccines and you would be a good candidate for it. And, you know, would you like to set an appointment or would you like to get it when you come in to pick up your medications? Um, so those are all workflow changes that we've made for the better. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, as we mentioned before, in some states, you know, technicians um, are also able to help vaccinate and that helps. Um, but I guess I'd be curious what Wimberly says about, you know, staffing and, and shortages and finding people as yeah, well. Yeah, Wimberly, we've pretty much teed you up here. So when it comes to your staffing, when it comes to scheduling, when it comes to marketing you have to do, and when it comes to just the overall financials of it, I'm sure that's a lot to unpack here uh, in this conversation. But what have you found that has worked for you? And um what are some of still the challenges that you're going through, uh, you know, to kind of incorporate these vaccines into your workflow, especially during this busy time of year? So COVID definitely just educated me um, and, and my whole staff as, as to getting the workflow. And yes, the first couple of months with COVID was a true learning curve. We we tried and failed many different ways to, to do it right. But mm -hmm. I will say that I feel like our workflow with vaccines is much easier and flows much nicer now. We really just incorporate ours in with our, our prescriptions. If you walk in and say, I would like the flu vaccine today, they're going to hand you one of those clipboards, like I said, that's already pre-made out with our uh, authorization form. They're going to put your name in a waiting basket, which, you know, signals mm -hmm. my technicians to know that, okay, they're here waiting and it'll go through the workflow just as a normal prescription would. Now during flu season and, and like probably for September, October, part of November, um, we'll have an extra person here, an extra vaccinator here pretty much every day mm -hmm. and, and, and they can just roll with it how they go. Um, and, and we keep a links up, um, all day, every day on every computer now, which is not something we had ever done before where we can check and see, um, you know, what, what other vaccine they may need. If they come in and they tell me they want flu and I see they're over 65, I'm probably going to check real quick. Hey, have they had, you know, Prevnar 20, um, have they had Zostavax? you know, at least mention it to them while I'm back there to say, why don't you think about this? Go ahead and give them the um, BIS um, or some information about Shingrix. I I've got all of them nicely printed out and, you know, labeled in folders. So I can just say, hey, just think about this for next time or next time you come in, let's talk about, you know, this vaccine or let let's decide then. We don't have to do it today, but let's decide then. Um, the... So workflow, I, I do. I think COVID, the one thing COVID might have actually helped with was to get my workflow flow good with, with vaccines. Um, now, as far as the, the 
scheduling. We don't really schedule for flu vaccines. I am blessed, I guess, or cursed. I don't know which. Um, most people that work at my pharmacy are family. Um, my son and daughter-in-law are both pharmacists. Um, my sister-in-law was one of my technicians. I have a couple of cousins who are some of my technicians. So I wasn't hit that hard um, with staffing like most people during COVID because mm -hmm. I've had most of my staff an extremely long time and they're very well trained. Um, so they know, they know it's come, like whenever I said, y'all, the 20th is the date, they all kind of took a deep breath and, and got mentally prepared. It's it's time for it to start. Um, yeah. <clears throat> as far as the financials, you know, for me, I still don't think, I, I'm sure Tanya agrees with this um, because we talk a little bit about it. Pharmacists aren't getting reimbursed enough for vaccines. I mean, when, mm -hmm. when you're going through PBMs, it, it, you're, you're just not. You know, I looked at some of the numbers this morning. Um, you know, if it's a true Medicare flu shot, yeah, it, we're making some money. If it's not, a, a med, you know, if it's a Part D Medicare, you know, we'll do what I'll say is breaking even. You know, I'm, a, I'm averaging... Just on the few that I've ran this year, um, $20, I guess, gross profit. And, and it hasn't been a bunch. And when I say gross profit, I'm not including, you know, the syringes and alcohol and my papers that I've printed and, you know, getting it put in links and sending a note to their um, doctor, which in Louisiana, we still have to do. Even though mm -hmm. doctors don't even have to put the vaccine in links, we have to put it in links and send them a note, which is absolutely crazy. If I'm putting it in links, they should be able to check it. But that's not how the world goes around. Um, which is another thing on the, the RSV and COVID, just on the business end of it, um, which I don't even know, you know how much we want to talk about that. But on the business end of it, yes, I will probably wind up doing these uh, the COVID what are we not supposed to call them boosters? What are we supposed to call them now? Updated COVID. I don't even can't even tell you what they wanted to. Call. We're back to we're back to boosters now, Wimberly. For this okay. season, we're we're at boosters. Okay, I thought they had told me boosters were gone, but but anyway. So <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to have to. Our area doesn't have anybody else that's going to be administering them. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that I will wind up doing it. But from a call standpoint, you know, I'm looking at. $6,000 to, you know, to, to get it in my door because I have to order 50. Um, I'm a small, you know, I'm going to have to do it smart. We're going to have to schedule this. You know, I'm going to have to know I'm going to get these 50 coming in and how many can I get out the door before it expires and I lose, you know, $260 a shot and, and I'm barely getting reimbursed $6 over cost for it. I mean, yeah, and yeah uh, Tanya, I want to get your uh, I would like to get your viewpoint of this uh, as far as all the different things that you have to worry about in a workflow and to make some money and, uh, you know, to make sure that you're also at the same time, you know, being part of the community and, and helping uh, everybody stay healthier. Um, where do you see where do you see the challenges and also the uh, the triumphs when it comes to adding vaccines into your workflow? Yeah. And I think. And, and I think going back to, you know, the, the beginning when we were talking about with this vaccine season, what vaccines should we give together? Because there's so many. Mm -hmm. And I do think that when you have a customer standing in your pharmacy 
and you can give them a flu in one arm and an RSV in one arm, it's really not that much more work. If you see what I'm saying, like they're filling out the same forms, it's less for the customer, it's less for the pharmacy. So I think that helps um, increase the the business standpoint. Mm-hmm. And and Wimberley's right. I mean, pharmacists are at like a in a in a really sticky place of for my business, am I willing to take the risk uh, risk of of the how much these vaccines cost? And what, is it the right thing for my business? Is it the right thing for my customers? And you know, at the end of the day, you know, we went to pharmacy school to be caregivers and to be, you know, we, mm-hmm. we want to to make sure we take care of our, but, you know, at the same time, I don't want to see Wimberly go out of business because she's taken a loss on every COVID shot she gives. So yeah. you have to really um, be smart about it. And you also have to make sure that you're getting both the, the, the administration fee for the the vaccines, as well as what little bit the the PBMs will reimburse you. I'm sorry to say, but yep. you know you gotta you gotta be smart about it. And like she said, you you almost need to make sure you 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 really. I think this more than ever. I know in the beginning of COVID, the CDC wanted everybody to have a scheduling system to schedule, but I think that's what's really going to be extremely important this season with the multiple vaccines and the the education that goes with them. I think you're almost going to have to schedule. I mean, I've even heard of some pharmacies that have just, just to help with the workflow and be able to handle the, you know, the, the volume and the cost. And they might open one day a week, an hour early or stay an hour late on one day just to do vaccines, not to do anything else or, you know, just try to make the most of what you've got. But it is, it's very, it's a very fine line. And and it's unfortunate that we have to debate on, is it more important for me to take care of my, my, my patients or that I stay in business and take care of my, all, all of my family that works for me in Wimberley's case. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, though, Tanya. Um, as far as like opening early or being staying late, where you're kind of focusing your efforts, you know, some pharmacies too are doing some offsite clinics where they're partnering with an employer or a school or an assisted living facility, and so then that kind of gives you some guaranteed use for those vaccines. You know, if you if you can go into one of those facilities and know you're going to do, say, you know you know, 50 flu vaccines or flu and COVID or whatever it may be. So it's just another um, another option pharmacists have for making sure that they can use those vaccines in a timely manner. And it helps reduce a barrier because then a patient doesn't even have to come to your pharmacy. They may be at work or school and be able to get their vaccine. Yeah, we do I, that um, yeah. with, our, with the courthouse in town because we usually um, offer to the sheriff's office and the DA's office, which are at our courthouse um, in our parish. And so we'll have a day where we set up at the courthouse when they're having court in session, we'll go do all of the clerks and judges and we'll do the sheriff and all his um, office staff. And then we'll hang out at the courthouse for anybody who wants to, on their way in and out of court, who wants to get their flu vaccine. So they don't have to make time. It's like you said, it's right there. It's like hitting you over the head. You have to purposely not you have to purposely walk past me to not get a flu shot, you know, 
you can't say you don't have the time. So um, we, we do a lot of that. We, we go to the banks, we go to the school board, um, churches. I do the garden club, um, go to a couple of behavioral health places, you know, obviously the nursing home that, that we uh, service, but any place that I can think, our council on aging, um, when they feed, they have lunch every day at 12, we'll make a couple of stops there uh, through flu season um, to our um, low-income housing for our old elderly people in, in our parish. We go there one day to their little rec room. Um, lots of opportunities just to go set up and, and help make sure that everybody has the opportunity, even if they can't drive or, or get transportation to us, we, we're going to get it to them. I guess one last thing for each of you, um, if you had one piece of advice to give, I mean, we went through a lot of different things here today, as far as not only how many, <clears throat> how many different vaccines are going to be available this year, but scheduling and, uh, you know, make, making sure that if they do need multiple vaccines, you know, talking with those patients and setting up a, you know, a, a real plan of attack for all the vaccines they're going to want and need. Um, if there is one piece of advice you can give to a pharmacy <clears throat> or a pharmacist looking to to do this this year, get more involved and offer all these vaccines, uh, Sherry, from your standpoint, I'll start with you. What would that be? I think from my standpoint, a lot of pharmacists are sometimes hesitant um, to vaccinate, especially if it's a new vaccine, um, whether it's new to them or new on the market. And so I would start by saying, you know, educate themselves about the vaccines that they're going to offer so that they feel confident answering questions and recommending it to patients. Because um, I think if pharmacists are confident and they, um, then they will be confident in their recommendations. So educate yourself is, is my biggest piece of advice. Tanya, what about you? Well, Sherry stole mine, so I came up with another one. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think that, you know, really taking advantage of your, your marketing means, like, if you have a Facebook site, you know, put put some of the education and some of the the CDC has some fantastic like marketing materials or or one pagers that are good for for patients to kind of help them understand why they need. And I think, you know, getting the word out there, like we've talked about, is talking them through barriers and getting them. Mm -hmm. You know, that takes a lot of time. If we can utilize some of our text messaging or our scheduling programs or our, our Facebook or websites or anything like that, I think is going to help tremendously with the workflow. And I also think that you're not dealing with just, and I say this, you're not dealing with people that are, that are clueless. You're, you're, you're not mm -hmm. starting from scratch. And, and I truly think the scheduling piece and knowing, you know, when they schedule for a vaccine, you know, before they come in, you know, their insurance, you know what you need. And then, you know, if, if it's multiple vaccines or if they're interested in another vaccine, you can take a look at their profile and, and just be prepared when they get there because it makes everything go so much smoother. And um, because it can get pretty crazy. And, and you know, we see... Patients get really upset at standing in a pharmacy um, and they can't get their prescription on time because the pharmacist is busy giving shots. 
And the mm -hmm. patients that are there to get shots are frustrated because they're having to wait for the patients that are getting prescriptions filled. There's just a lot of lack of understanding, maybe not in, in Wimberley small town where she has all her patients trained, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, in a lot of pharmacies, it is frustrating. Mm -hmm. You know, you go in for that. So I think anything that can make it easier and quicker is going to be beneficial. Yeah, preparation, education, definitely top two yeah. things you need to do. Wimberly, we'll end it with you. What What's your biggest piece of advice? So first off, I needed to hear both of those so I can run out real quick. Um, Sherry, you see I'm already educating myself on RSV, so I'm working on that. <laughs> and um, the marketing, I told my my lady up front who handles the sign that we needed to get out there, uh, get on our sign today and program it to start saying flu shots. We changed our um, receipt to say, um, do you need your flu shot today? Um, so I'm working on both of those ladies. Thanks for that. Um, and I'm going to go back to knowing your patients and, and Tanya kind of stole my prepare. I, I had started out with prepare. I'm going to say prepare, prioritize, and remind. So um, kind of prepare your staff and your patients of what to expect this vaccination season. So like Tanya said, they're not coming in blind or unexpecting. Um, prioritize who needs what vaccine when according to what's going on in your area, because it's not a, a universal thing. You know, our flu season down here in the South is different than uh, flu season up North or flu season out West. So you got to take into account where you're at. And then remind, set reminders for your patients, set reminders for yourself um, to continuously stay on top of it through this flu season um, to get it all done. Don't let it slip past. Love that. So if anyone takes anything away from this, uh, from this podcast, remember PPR, all right, PPR, <laughs> prepare, prioritize and remind. I absolutely love that. Uh, well, I want to say, I want to say thanks to Sherry, Tanya and Wimberly for joining us on the show and for providing so much val valuable information as always for our independent pharmacy listeners. Um, thanks for stopping by, subscribing, and listening to all the Counter Health Counter Talk podcast listeners. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks for subscribing to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. We definitely hope you enjoyed the show. There's a lot of great information. And if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe and download the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast wherever you get your podcasts. See you on the next episode, and everyone, take care.